And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Today, I'm really happy to be reconnecting with the co-hosts of a very entertaining and illuminating podcast called Read More Plays, which is about to begin its second season. Uh, One of the co-hosts, Jennifer Sassaman, uh, has been on the morning show any number of times uh, during uh, her tenure as uh, a... uh, a member of the theater faculty at University of Wisconsin Parkside, right up the road from us. Uh, She uh, is enjoying this new adventure with her good friend, Ricardo Frederick Evans, who also joins us. They co-host this uh, podcast in which they uh, make their way through a a plethora of fascinating plays, uh, 22 at least last uh, season. And I suspect a similar number of plays are going to be explored in this coming season. And, We're going to uh, look back on the first season and look ahead to some of the plays that they're going to be exploring in season number two of Read More Plays, which is available through just about any of the major podcast uh, provider platforms. Jennifer Sassaman, Ricardo Frederick Evans, we welcome you back to The Morning Show. Thank you so much. It's so great to see you. Yeah, thank you so much, Greg. It's great to be back. Glad we can have this conversation. Uh, Jennifer, remind our listeners about the genesis of this podcast, and uh, Ricardo, feel free to to, to join in, but uh, <laughs> remind all of us about uh, the genesis of all this. Well, you know, I had been thinking for some time that I, I wanted to have a podcast, and I wasn't sure why, but it was very clear in my head, I just want to do a podcast, and I want to do it with Ricardo. And um, I remembered when I was taking a walk in spring 2020 um, that I used to have a play reading group at the first university where I was a professor and we would meet once a month and my advisees and a bunch of other people who felt like joining in, we would read a play and we'd talk about it and they just became little potlucks and it was really fun. And, you know, maybe five years after I left that school, they started posting about it on Facebook saying, oh, remember those conversations we used to have with JSS about plays? I wish we could do that. And I said, we can do that. We can meet online. We can do that. And everybody got really excited, but my life got a little too hectic with my professor responsibilities. So it never, we never went able to meet, but I remembered that. And I was thinking that the way that I conducted conversations when I taught text analysis and directing and the way we used to have these monthly play readings could converge to make a really fun podcast. So I first reached out to Ricardo to see if he would be down for that kind of an adventure. And then, uh, and then I reached out to a former student of mine who I've worked on a number of projects with, who is an incredible sound designer and sound engineer, Sam Fitzwater Butchart, and asked if he would do the podcast with us because Ricardo and I would be so lost <laughs> if we were trying to handle that <laughs> side Absolutely. of production. Uh, and Sam was down for it too. And, you know, just, uh, just to kind of round out the conversation, one of the reasons I really wanted Sam in the conversation was because Sam and I have very different interests in a lot of ways, artistically speaking. So when he was a student, we would, as a, a group, as a department, go see these plays. And he would always find me after the plays and say, I want to talk to you about this show. I hated it. And then we would talk for an hour about the play and I, and we would always have very different reactions, but they were 
great conversations. Um, our our uh, catchphrase is we cheerfully disagree on almost everything, <laughs> but we love working together. So I knew to have Sam involved in the conversation that, that he's so brilliant, you know, just intelligent wise. He's so smart and he has such a different perspective than I have that it would be, it wouldn't just be someone who would know how to edit the podcast together, but he would be truly the third part of the conversation. Very good. So that's, that's where it all came from. Uh, Ricardo, re- remind us how you and Jennifer know each other. So <laughs> Jennifer and I go way, way, way back um, a couple of decades now. Yeah, we um, we first met working <laughs> working in a restaurant in D.C. Uh, as, uh, as servers, Kramer Books. Yeah, Kramer Books and Afterwards Cafe, which is a D.C. is basically um, a D.C. institution um right in dupont circle and yeah and that's where we that's where we first met each other and um it was funny because we were we were both you know we were still we were starting our uh i think theater careers at that point and we were this is one of our survival jobs um <laughs> but we we just we we hit it off really really well back then and then you know jennifer went off to to grad school um so she left town, but uh, we found each other again when she came back years later. Um, and and just last year, <laughs> we ran into each other. We always run into each other randomly in places and then, you know, magic happens afterwards. We just happened to be in Disney at the same time in, in Florida. Same last, park, same yeah, day. In, in, uh, in January last year. And then I think that sort of reconnecting just for a brief, brief amount of time, that sort of reconnecting also helped. Um, helped with the podcast launching because it was like, Oh, we just saw each other too. And then that was just, it was still fresh. And it was like, you know, what, what can we do? What, what can we do? And then (laughs) there's a pandemic going on. There's, (laughs) we've got to figure something out. So, right. uh, Yeah. It's actually not really well. This was a great uh, opportunity and uh, it actually fit remarkably well into the restrictions of the COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. like this. So, uh, the timing was ideal in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, and the Jennifer- technology too, because Ricardo's in DC, I'm in Vermont, and Sam's in Wisconsin. So mm-hmm. the fact that we can collaborate weekly, even though we're in three different states, is astonishing. Right. And you wonder if the notion would have even occurred to any of you before COVID. I mean, now mm-hmm. these kind of collaborations across state lines, even uh, <laughs> from different countries, we, we hardly think twice about it now. Yeah, it's the standard now. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, one thing you said, uh, and I remember this from the recap of your first season, you kind of talked about how you and Ricardo basically saw a lot of these plays the same. That is, you really loved all the same plays. That mm-hmm. you didn't like. <laughs> didn't like uh, so you're very much in concord with, you, with each other, generally speaking, in terms of your opinions, versus, for instance, uh, Sam Fitzwater Butchard, uh, with whom you tend to have very different opinions. Um, was that a conscious decision? Do you see that as a strength that you and Ricardo have opinions that align so closely so much of the time? Because of course you can also put a podcast together, which is much more Siskel and Ebertish, in which <laughs> there's a really lively interplay because the hosts are constantly disagreeing with one another. So was that a, a conscious choice that you did not really want? that kind no. of dynamic at the heart of it no i had no idea and with each of the plays 
uh, you know, when I read Clybourne Park and was getting angrier and angrier, this was a p- play that Ricardo had suggested because he saw it when it was first being produced 10 years ago. And I was like, uh oh, you know, <laughs> I was afraid <laughs> I'd come in and I'd have all this rage about this play and Ricardo would get, you'd def- you know, be all like, well, I liked it. You know, I, I had no idea until we sat down to record it, how he felt. We try not to talk about the plays um, until we sit down to record right, the episode. Right. So, you know, I'll send Sam and Ricardo, we message, you know, a hundred times a day, but I'll send messages like, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but I, uh, but, but we don't share our opinions. So I just, I never know. Yeah. It can be very surprising. I, <clears throat> I, I, and I think after the, after the first season, it was kind of surprising that we were so much in alignment on all, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and except for those two plays where we were both um, like, mm, no, we don't really like these so much. Um, this was <laughs> Clybourne Park and uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which were both plays that I suggested. Which they both were both plays, were plays that I was like, I don't like these. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was really interesting. I thought it was also interesting that, uh, that the play that Sam selected, which um, which was Terra Nova. Uh, Te- Terra Nova by Ted Talley, was uh, I was really, really, I really loved that play much more than I, you know, than I think that I was planning to. And I and so that was one of the great things about having Sam, you know, pick a play because, you know, there, here's something that you wouldn't even think of um, mm-hmm. that actually really, really. And, and I hope that that happens with the podcast itself. People hear about plays that they wouldn't have thought about. And then they then they um, pick it up and they're like, wow, I actually really like this um, because uh, Terra Nova was a fascinating play to me. And, and I really, mm-hmm. really loved it. Yeah, I feel like we do the plays that we had really strong negative reactions to were the same two plays. Everything mm-hmm. else, I think we all at least liked. Um, but what did I do what I do feel like uh, was a difference between Ricardo and myself is we loved different plays Mm -hmm. and we saw different things in the plays. Mm -hmm. So Ricardo would start talking about something and it would just open all these doors in my imagination that I hadn't even considered. And I think the same thing happened vice versa. Hmm. Exactly. So not to not to refight the war, but uh, these two (laughs) plays that you both disliked so much, were you not acquainted with them? Before I, you did the podcast and, and and analyzed them, or did you have just a cursory analysis? I mean, going in, did you have at least a notion that you wouldn't like these plays, and were you making a conscious choice to talk about them even though you didn't like them? Well, it was no. funny. I when I you know as we were selecting the season, you know, we were throwing in different titles of plays that we liked or, or that we thought people you know should know about or that should be part of the um, you know the the general knowledge. Um, and uh, so I was thinking Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, classic by play Stoppard. by Tom Stoppard. And I honestly had never um, read it cover to cover. I just had a familiarity with it, of course, because it was such a popular play. Um, Clybourne Park, I had actually seen um, 10 years ago, uh, as, as Jennifer mentioned. But 10 years ago, the world was a different place. So picking up the play again, uh, it just it just hit different. I think that's one of the things that... Um, that, that I discovered when we did the podcast, it hit different. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I was expecting to love it <laughs> and <laughs> did not at all, was completely surprised by that. So that's, that's how my experience went down. Jennifer, I'm... 
I was familiar with Clyburn Park. I've read Raisin in the Sun, you mm-hmm. know, 20 times. Um, I frequently use that text when I teach. So I was aware of Clyburn Park and how it was sort of connected to Raisin in the Sun, Lorraine Hansberry's play from 1959. Um, but I had never read it. So I was familiar with it. And, and one of the, one of the ideas of the podcast was, you know, read more plays isn't just, Hey, let's make the world aware of these plays. It's I've been meaning to read the wolves by yes. Sarah Delap. I've been yes. meaning to read snow and midsummer by Francis Yachu Cowhig. I just haven't had the time or the opportunity to do so. So some of the plays were plays I really wanted to talk about. And some of the plays were plays I really wanted to read. Mm-hmm. And then there were the plays that Ricardo also was interested in. And we tried to kind of blend our list. And um, I worked on a production of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead when I was an undergrad 800 years ago. And um, I hadn't really looked at it since then. So I, I knew the play and I I love Arcadia by Tom Stoppard. That is one of my all-time favorite plays. I have read it over and over again. I think it is exquisitely beautiful. So uh, even though I hadn't read Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead in a long time, um, I was looking forward to it, especially because one of the plays that I taught when I was uh, working at Parkside, every year I taught Hamlet as a way into text analysis. So I was intimately familiar with Hamlet in a way that I hadn't been when I worked on that text as an undergrad myself. So I I was really looking forward to it. And I was surprised just how angry I was getting working <laughs> on. Like, I don't want to keep reading this stupid play. But, you know, one of the things I try to say over and over again is everybody has their own aesthetic. Yeah. And some people will like plays at one time in their life and they won't at others. Clybourne Park just struck me as flat out offensive. And I, I couldn't get past the idea that in 2010 or 2011, it would have been like edgy. And now it's just like, you can't say those things. You can't do that. You know, I, I think that we have been made aware of a lot of things that are offensive to humans who are not white or not male and uh, and it's just that play is not cool, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> was it okay to talk about it? I mean, in 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 any way, do you regret that you ended up spending time on it, or or oh no, not, not at all. Not at all. Not it was at a all. great was, conversation. Yeah, it was a fantastic conversation. It was eye opening. Even our guest, we had um, Yvette Heiliger, a playwright uh, from New York, um, on, and even her, she had opinions that I think she was surprised about too. That mm-hmm. that. Uh, but we were all kind of on the same page at this this play um, at the time served a purpose, but uh, but today is very problematic. Mm. Yeah, and so, I think it's so, great both both with Clyborne Park and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I think those are great episodes. I love mm-hmm. those conversations. I think with Clyborne Park we talked about racism in a way that was super important, even if it was you know, an upsetting play to read. It opened up a great conversation. And I was so grateful to have Yvette on the, on the, on that episode with us and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I mean, I just remember laughing through that whole recording session, even though I had not enjoyed working on the analysis. Yes. (laughs) The conversations keep being great, even if we don't like the plays. Right. So as you look ahead to the second season, do you anticipate that this is going to happen again? 
Um, or, no. Or, <laughs> no, actually, so in other words, I don't. <laughs> so you've not you've not knowingly chosen any plays that you. Oh, you have know what? No, I I'm really excited to read these plays. Most of these plays are going to be new to me. Um, me too. Yeah. Some of them I'm I'm pre- like I directed Blythe Spirit at Racing Theater Guild, so I know that one pretty well. Um, it, <laughs> but there's always Sam's play. So one of the things that we have built <laughs> into the season is that uh, our sound designer gets to pick a play, and because he has such a different aesthetic, we never know. We always joke that he's going to make us read Beckett, <laughs> Samuel Beckett, who we are not in love with <laughs> not super fans not super fans definitely not um super fans. <laughs> but we don't know we won't know till uh i think february is when we're doing sam's play um yeah so we'll find out in february and then yeah read it's a big it's a big exciting event March. he usually like orders them for us and we don't open the we don't actually open the package <laughs> until like right before we're we recording. read the play so <laughs> it's like i, I still don't know if i'm excited when i opened it i'm like i don't know if i'm excited i, know. I don't know anything about this play <laughs> so there's if there's always the possibility that we won't that we'll have an interesting reaction to Sam's play. <laughs> There's also another sort of wild card moment in the season, isn't there, where you draw upon a big treasure trove of possibilities? Yeah. Randomly chosen or how that, but explain to our listeners what I'm talking about. The reaping. Yes. <laughs> the reaping, the reaping where, where Jennifer gets to say her favorite phrase. We, as we I, select the name out of the hat. <laughs> The idea is that we're picking a play out of a big bowl of names, which reminds me of the Hunger Games, where the one character would pick out the name and call out Primrose Everdeen. So I always have to shout that. Um, I came up with the list when I was uh, teaching. Most universities will have a list of plays they think students should have read by graduation. And there wasn't one of those for Parkside students. So Uh, And the one that had been at my previous university at Troy University in Alabama, I thought had been, you know, probably put together in the 90s and not really updated much, just had a couple of plays tacked on. So I took it upon myself. I wanted to build a list and to start with the list. I just went through every playlist of the Pulitzer nominations, the Tony nominations, you know. Uh, every anthology and just tried to think about what plays do people need to read? What plays should people be familiar with if they're going to be a working theater artist? You know, if you go into a room and somebody references every man from the, you know, the morality play from the 15th century, are people going to know, you know, are you going to know what they're talking about? And uh, stuff like that. And I sent the, the list that I compiled was about 10 pages long. And I sent it around also to uh, other friends of mine who are drama critics and theater professors around the country. And they suggested things. So we have this massive list of, you know, 300 plays that we think artists should have a working familiarity with. And, um, and all of the plays that we are doing with the podcast are on that list. Um, but, you know, some of them are plays that I wouldn't be super excited to work on. Some of them are plays that I'm familiar with, but I haven't read yet myself. And, uh, and so once or twice a season, we randomly pick one of those plays. They're listed numerically, so we just go to a random number generator. Or when we had uh, Rebecca on to do Indecent, we asked her you know, to pick a number between one and 326. <laughs> and that's how, we've, uh, that's how we've gotten those plays. So yeah, it's true. We have no idea what those plays are gonna be. Mm. 
For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Jennifer Sassaman and Ricardo Frederick Evans, who are the co-hosts of the podcast called Read More Plays. And it is about to begin its second season. And uh, in a few minutes, we'll talk about at least some of the plays that are going to be uh, coming up in season number two of this of this podcast. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your format. And I also want to talk about the fact that your podcast is billed as a comedy podcast. <laughs> I'm curious um, what that designation means to you and and why you chose that designation. I mean, and I'm not... I'm not exactly calling it into question. I mean, it's, I mean, I've listened to the podcast plenty and I re realize you do a lot of laughing. And uh, so a lot of things are funny, but, but I'm, I'm not necessarily sure I would, if I was a co-host labeled it a comedy podcast in that, in the sense of the connotation of that uh, kind of makes it seem like its primary purpose is to make people laugh. And I think both of you would say, that's not the primary purpose. So I'm just curious, did you assign that? Uh, is it something you needed to assign? I mean, like when you have a podcast, is it supposed to be kind of one or the other? I'm just really curious to know what is behind that decision that somebody made to label this a comedy podcast. I had, there are a couple of podcasts that I had been listening to pretty religiously um, leading up to starting this one. And I noticed uh, in particular, John and Hank Green's play uh, podcast, uh, Dear Hank and John, and they're a pair of brothers who are both authors and they um, have a lot of really interesting YouTube videos. Um, and their podcast initially was, uh, their catchphrase was a comedy podcast about death, but really it's, <laughs> Um, it is a combination of serious conversations and casual, silly conversations. And it just, the way they now say, and, you know, it's a comedy podcast about where they give advice, dubious advice, and they give you all the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Like I've heard them say that over and over again, that I can just say it. And the way they talk, um, I always feel as though, I am in the room with them. Like, like I'll be doing my dishes and I'll listen to them. And it feels like I'm hanging out with these two brothers while they chat and I'm just doing the dishes and I'm just quiet while they're talking. And I've been told by a lot of people, we've gotten messages from listeners who say, I feel like I'm in the room. I will talk to you. I feel like you guys are in the room with me. And I just felt we had a very similar vibe to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, to Dear Hank and John, to these podcasts where people who have a really warm relationship talk about a combination of things from serious to light, but it's almost all of it through a, a kind of a warm levity filter. And so um, I liked that they said, we're a comedy podcast that gives you dubious advice. So we are a text analysis, uh, we are a podcast that talks about text analysis and the play process, but it's also funny and it's a conversation. So to me, that seemed like a good catchphrase. Hmm. That makes sense as you're explaining that. And of course, if, if you labeled it as just a, a podcast about play analysis, uh, <laughs> stuck to the kind of the dry element. Just like me and one other person. Yeah, let's talk about play analysis. Yeah. So yeah, that would not, <laughs> That would not adequately convey kind of the <laughs> flavor and spirit of it. I I I, I will acknowledge that. Um, the The podcast is set up in a in a format that I would say is 
in some respects, somewhat unconventional. That is, I think you, you make a couple of surprising choices in terms of the way uh, at least the typical episode unfolds uh, versus, I think, nine out of ten other people putting a podcast together about plays would probably have a more conventional format, especially in the way it begins. So uh, I'd love to hear from you about how you came up I mean, first of all, you should probably explain the, the basic format and how you came up with it and, and, and why you think it works. Well, the first thing that we do in every episode after just the basic intros is something that Ricardo came up with called the hot takes. Delete hot takes. And, Delete hot takes. And, and yep. by the way, let me just say, I, I don't want people to misunderstand when you say basic introduction, that introduction is basically just who you two are just a little bit of, of random, whatever, but uh, yeah, if we have that a guess, basic introduction does guess, not yeah. introduce the play, that's not what you mean by that. So we usually give, um, we, if we usually say this is the play we're doing and then some major accolades. So like this won the Pulitzer in 1959 or this play won the Tony award in 2012, or, you know, we give a, a general overview to what we're going to talk about. And if there's a content warning. We'd like to do that as well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. If some of the plays may play about suicide, yes. please come back <laughs> later. <laughs> Or, you know, I, I feel like the content warning is not just to say, maybe listen to the next episode. It's also, you know, there are some things that I know would be triggering for me if they came out of nowhere. But if somebody says, hey, this is a play about a drug overdose, mm -hmm. I can think, okay, that's something, you know, I have lost a friend to drug overdose. Okay, now I'm prepared to be a part of this conversation rather than it getting kind of blindsided out of nowhere. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um. But yeah, we usually, we like to do a quick, like, look at the play, hot takes. And, uh, you know, we, when Ricardo suggested this last summer, when we were putting the podcast together, I thought it was a great idea. And we threw out a bunch of different questions that we thought could be hot take questions before we settled on the five, which is what do you think is the best thing about this text? What do you see as the biggest problem with the text? What's your favorite quote? If you were going to work on a production, what production role would you like to take on? And then I always love ending on which character in the play do you identify most with? Yes. I think that's such a, a fun thing to talk about. Um, and this framing device, this quick jump into the conversation um, has become a great a great tool, I think. Um, I actually do this with my daughter now. When we when we watch uh, something, whether I mean we haven't come to see any plays recently, but when we watch movies or even when we read books, when we finish them, she'll turn to me. She'll go, "Deedly hot takes," and then we just we start talking about uh, the work of art that we've just experienced through this lens. And I remember you saying that was her idea. That wasn't you, yeah. your daughter. Hey, how about if we try doing the hot takes we do on the podcast with this movie we just watched? She took yeah. it upon She herself. just started it. Yeah, it was It awesome. just kind of happened organically. We recently watched the Cinderella movie on uh, the reboot that Amazon Prime just put up. And she said... Uh, it ended and she was so animated, just started singing the hot take song that I invented. Uh, but my favorite part of that was when we got to the, uh, which character is the most like you? She was just like, oh, you're Billy Porter. 
Mm. I was like, yes, <laughs> I have won in life. My daughter thinks I'm like Billy Porter. <laughs> so, so my question is, um, I mean, obviously the more conventional choice would be to say something about the story. I mean, to mm -hmm. even briefly summarize what this play is about. And you don't do that. You launch right into the hot takes. And we do that second. What, we I'm do sorry? that second. Right. And I'm just curious. We do that you, second. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that. But I think, I think that's an interesting, surprising choice. I mean, I think, again, nine, time, mm -hmm. nine out of ten would start with some kind of summary rather than starting with the hot takes. And I'm just curious what you think the function is or what the point is of, of introducing us to a play we don't know with those hot takes rather than telling us what it's about. I mean, it's not a choice I dispute, but it's a surprising choice. And I'm curious why you think that is preferable to the more conventional way of, of introducing somebody to a play. Well, I think that, you know, our podcasts are about the length of a time that I would teach a text analysis or a directing class. So they're about 85 uh, to 90 minutes. And that's a long time to sit and listen to us talk about stuff. I feel like the function of the hot takes before we start talking about this is the plot, this is the you know, this is the analysis technique, these are all the other things that we're going to go into. If we just talk about our reaction to the play, it gives you, you know, it's supposed to just be about five minutes. It gives you a sense of where the conversation is going to go. It gives you a sense of our connection to the text and how we're going to approach this, you know, hour and a half long conversation. Um, one of my favorite things that I have read and that I would talk to my directing students about is before you do anything else, you know, if you're working on a play, you need to have a sense of uh, what William Ball calls the general beauty, which is kind of why are you excited about this play? Why should people work with you on this project? Why should people follow your vision? Why should audiences come to see it? So I kind of feel like the hot takes, when we talk about this, it gives us the audience a sense of why they should join us for the next hour and a half um, going in depth into the play. So I like having this quick overview before we do this deep detailed dive into the different sections. That's why I, I thought it was a great idea that Ricardo came up with. Yeah, one of the things I love about it too is if you not to, you know, not to poo-poo people who haven't read the play or whatever, but if you have mm -hmm. read the play and you jump in, you start off with the podcast with uh, the hot takes, you can you can you can decide what your hot takes are too and mm -hmm. see if you agree or disagree with what what we're saying or what our guests are saying when we have guests on who are also doing their hot mm -hmm. takes at the top of the show. Um, so I think that's a fun part of it. If you've read the play beforehand, and even if you haven't, and you go back later and read it, it's, it's a great in. It's a great in. Yeah, another thing, just in coming up with the idea of the format, what I started noticing is the more successful and engaging podcasts that I like, they all had a format. So that was our first conversation was, mm -hmm. okay, these podcasts have a format. What could be a format that we can repeat episode after episode? Uh, Someone just started mowing their lawn. I'm going to close the windows. <laughs> that makes a lot I, of sense. So uh, explain, Ricardo, once we're past the hot takes, then mm -hmm. where a typical podcast episode goes from there. Oh, wait. I just wanted to say one quick oh. thing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
the one of the podcasts that I like, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, every episode is about one episode of a book. You know, they go in order. So they start with book one, chapter one. So one of the first things they do is they do a 30 second recap of what happened in the chapter. And but before that, every episode has a theme. So if the theme is bravery or courage or sadness, you know, or love, whatever the theme is, one of the hosts tells a story that's connected to the theme of the episode. So before we even get to the, you know, like, let's remind you what happens in this chapter, or let's remind you, you know, what happens in the, in the play, then we have this uh, other way of kind of connecting with the hosts and, um, you know, their personal connection to what's going to be talked about. Hmm. So like that. very good. Ricardo, from, from, from the hot takes, then just uh, briefly summarize the, the remainder of the format for a typical episode. Sure. Uh, basically, we go from there to we, we do a quiz where either Jennifer or myself and, and, and sometimes we invite our guests to. Uh, so, yeah, we do a quiz um, that either Jennifer or, or I uh, put together about 10 questions about the, the general plot of the play from start to finish. Um, We've invited our guests to write quizzes too. No one's taken us up on that offer yet, but <laughs> so it's just been Jennifer and I writing the quizzes over the season. Um, we do that. Then we do, we jump into the analysis section where, um, where we basically talk about uh, um, uh, a way to look at the play through a type of uh, analysis uh, or a technique Um and uh, Jennifer pretty much takes the lead on um, figuring out what that or, or what that lens will be um, every every time we do an episode. Um, we jump then into the dramaturgy section where each of us share a piece of um, research that we have uncovered about the play, whether it's about the production itself or the playwright or anything like that. Um, and we also invite our guests to share something that they might have discovered about the play. Um, then we move into our show discussion section where we actually get to talk more freely about um, things that we learned about the play or ideas that we might have for productions if we were to work on it ourselves. Um, you know, any artistic inter interpretations that we have, things like that. Um, more of an open discussion. Um, then we have a community voices section where we get to share our um, listeners thoughts and ideas um, or feelings about shows or episodes or plays specifically themselves. Um, then we do a wrap up and um, that's pretty much it. Uh, but we do sprinkle in, you know, depending on if we have a reaping coming up or, or uh, or Sam's picking a play, then, you know, we'll find a place to put that in there to make sure that people are aware of that, that that's coming up. But that's the basic, that's the basic uh, format of the show. Yeah. And the, with the wrap up, the whole, you know, I feel like the whole aim of analyzing text is to be able to answer the question, what is this play about? Yes. Um, and I, you know, if I'm teaching text analysis or I'm teaching directing or I'm working on a play myself, I don't try to answer that question until I have done all this other work. So if we have all of the other elements that we have as part of our format discussed, it's at that last moment that we talk about really what's at the heart of the play. You know, it's not the plot, it's not the things that happen, but it is what the story is about. And that's often a combination of what the playwright has written on the page and what the artists working on it see in the text. 
Um, so that's why I always want to end there. Mm, very good. I, I think the format works well, and I like that it's not just a, a kind of a free flow conversation start to finish that would go into a million different tangents. I mean, I suppose that can be <laughs> interesting and even entertaining, but I like that your your thoughts are corralled a bit within a format. I think that makes sense. And it's nice as a listener that we kind of know what to expect. And And of course, with various plays, you make different choices about exactly how you're going to analyze it. When it comes to choosing the plays, do you basically choose half of them? I mean, Jennifer gets to choose 11 and Ricardo chooses 11, or is it a little more collaborative, complicated process of selection? Well, one of the things we did this season that we couldn't do last summer when we were putting the, the whole conversation together was we started asking our guests, what plays do you think people should read? So it wasn't just my plays and Ricardo's plays. And of course we'll have Sam's play at some point. Um, and, you know, choosing from the big list, what do you, you know, what do we think from this list would be a good thing to include? So it's a rounded conversation, but it was also of the, you know, 10 people or so that joined us over the course of the season, what do those artists think? And we invited our audience as well, you know, what plays do you think we should be talking about next season so that the, from all of those different directions we compiled a large document and then it was just kind of you know whittling away or saying well we've got two plays that are pretty similar which one of those should we pick um i also remember uh, i don't remember when this came up maybe in the recap of season one but i remember you expressing kind of surprise or bewilderment that uh your intention had been to be quite diverse oh, yes. in terms of the, the <laughs> yeah. playwrights that you chose. And then ultimately when the list of plays ultimately was kind of finalized, it wasn't as diverse a group as you intended it to be. Do I remember that correctly? That is correct. That Greg. is correct, yes. <laughs> it was surprising to us, I think, because we thought we, I mean, because that was what that was a big goal from the start when we were putting yep. everything together last year. We wanted to make sure that it was super diverse. And I thought that we, you know, uh, I thought that we we definitely moved in the right direction when we did it. But after it was all said and done, it was like, wow, we uh, we actually had opportunity to, to do more. And I, I think with season two, we definitely um, stepped up to that, stepped up to that challenge. And we have a more diverse, um, an even more diverse um, slate of plays. I want to say that I'm very excited uh, to hear your first episode because <laughs> you're going to be talking about a play that I saw on Broadway from, oh, uh, wow. from the second yes. row. And uh, with the original cast, including Chris Rock. Chris Rock, yeah. And um, it was one of those things where... Uh, my wife and I were there for, I don't know, four or five days, uh, mostly saw musicals, and but there was this one slot uh, still to be filled, and um, that just ended up being the thing that intrigued us the most, and I am so glad we saw it. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, it happens to be a play where we can't... Can you say the title? Uh, <laughs> no, afraid not. Uh, <laughs> it's the blankety blank... The, the bleep with the, the blank, hat. The blank with the hat. <laughs> I'm afraid there's no no bleep machine here. So, but I I like the way you managed to bleep it on your podcast that you talked about it. But but I'm I'm honestly very very excited, and I'm also excited to be reminded about the play because uh, I mean I remember loving it, but I I I would be uh, I would have a hard time telling you 
very much about exactly what the play is about or or even necessarily why we liked it so much but it was mm -hmm. incredibly powerful so i'm i'm excited to see that we or to hear your podcast and your discussion mm -hmm. about it i want to mention that another element that i don't think we've touched on yet is that uh you also have a a performance element that happened uh last season and it's happening this coming season briefly explain to our listeners that element of read more plays yeah, that was something that we hadn't planned to begin with. Right, um, right. I another thing that I had been thinking early in the pandemic was that it would be fun to do a play. I had people reaching out and saying, "Hey, could we do a Zoom play?" And I started thinking about a, a bunch of different shows I'd like to work on, and you know, all of them. I, I didn't know how to do a play that was not in public domain. Um, meaning the, you know, the royalties wouldn't have to be paid for just to do a reading. And I was reminded that I had directed a production of The Importance of Being Earnest at my first university where I was a professor. And, and I thought, oh, I could work with that cast. And we started talking about it, but there were a couple people who were busy, you know, early in the pandemic. So it didn't wind up happening. And I don't even remember where the idea came from, but I just, I mentioned to Ricardo and Sam, hey, what if instead of doing another social media choice play or a reaping play, what if we did an actual play? I've got this group of artists who want to work on Ernest. It's in the public domain. And we had so much fun working on that, that we decided we wanted to keep our, our production company within Read More Plays, Public Domain Productions, uh, and doing a, an audio play once a, once a season. And yeah. so we didn't know what we were going to do in the second season, but we also did, uh, we read Midsummer Night's Dream in season one, and we decided we wanted to make sure to have a Shakespeare for every season. And this season, we decided to combine the two. And I suggested, and Ricardo enthusiastically agreed i said what if we did much do about nothing where i played beatrice and you played benedict and how can you say like, no to that oh it's gonna be so fun so the great thing about having worked as a theater artist for 25 years you know we both know so many talented people in the industry mm. who are happy to jump on to you know from across the country to rehearsals we had we had people I think in four different time zones when we did Ernest, yeah, yeah. and uh, and so now now we're gonna do another show. I'm really excited. Fantastic! In our last literally two minutes, um, is there any way in which uh, you you think this will unfold differently from season one, or by and large, are you just perfectly satisfied and uh, and want season two to be a seamless continuation of what you did in your first season? I think that depends on the pandemic. I think we have a lot of ideas. For, I mean, we'd love to do live shows. I also had this idea that we would do excursions where we would meet either in Chicago or New York or DC or somewhere. <laughs> or, <Disney>. <laughs> <laughs> or Disney. Well, and, you know, and invite a group of our listeners to come see a show with us so we could talk before the show and then see the show and then talk after the show. Um, but there's, I think, a lot of the stuff that we want to do a lot of the ways we want to evolve include the end of this uh, mm -hmm. pandemic. Um, but I will say, I didn't expect a lot of the stuff that came out of season one. So I think I'm totally happy with the format staying the same way it is. And we have 
production meetings between episodes where we talk about what we learned and any ideas we have. Mm -hmm. So we're always trying to do a better job and, and ready to jump in a new direction. Yeah, but it's pretty exciting that it worked out as well as it did. And so we yeah. definitely want to keep all the things that worked and continue mm -hmm. with those. <laughs> Very good. Well, I know you're delighted with uh, how many uh, thousands and thousands of, of, yes. uh, yeah. of, 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 I don't know, if you, I forget what you call them, uploads or downloads or just whatever it is. But <laughs> a lot of people are seeking out Read More Plays, and I'm sure a lot of people are excited about season two. And, uh, and it's available through all of the major podcast uh, provider platforms. And uh, at the helm, Jennifer Sassaman and Ricardo Frederick Evans. It is great to catch up with you. I have enjoyed every episode I've listened to and look forward to this coming season very much, including uh, this first episode for the reasons I uh, articulated. And uh, wish you well in, as you continue with this exciting endeavor. And thanks for being part of the morning show today. It was fun Thank to talk with so you. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. This is just so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs>